Welcome back to Connected Insights, our series of podcasts where we look at the inside world of MT Group, not just as a leading telecommunications and infrastructure provider here on the Isle of Man, but an exploding global world of technology. We'll be talking to some of our partners, our team members and clients to find out more. And today, I'm joined by Paul Donaldson, our Chief Revenue Officer at OV. Paul, welcome to Connected Insights. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Paul, we're going to be talking about IoT today. Um, IoT, simply, you know, things that connect to, to one another, um, which is an area that you are now involved with. Has that always been the case? Did you see it coming from a mile off? How did you come to be involved in this field? So it wasn't quite a crystal ball moment. Um, I've been involved with what was before M2M and now is IoT for about 24 years. Background in hardware, and I distinctly remember my first memory of when things started to become connected and started to become interesting was Bluetooth. So those of you who are old enough to remember Bluetooth in, I think it was 99 or 2000, this standard came out. Our mobile phones then went from infrared ports to Bluetooth. It was like very exciting. One of the first standards, I think, that came out in, in the space. And I remember, it must be 2003, and I went for some, some training in Munich there's a very proud semiconductor manufacturer that had just launched a Bluetooth module, and it was about £13 at the time, which was expensive now, but back then was even more expensive. And they were telling this story about how Bluetooth will take over you know, all the connectivity. It will move from consumer into, uh, into, into M2M. And that was my first kind of exposure to what was M2M and now I IoT. And in parallel, I also remember the first kind of vending machines being connected by 2G. And again, as you saw, the kind of the Bluetooth move from a kind of point-to-point -point or star network, it's now evolved to have low energy, so low power and mesh, which is much more useful to M2M -M than it was 20 years ago. Back then, of course, cellular on, on 2G. It was single network, it was vending machines, their locations weren't great. So multi-network sims were born on 2G. And then customers started thinking about, well, actually, this, this gives me insights, right? The, this starts to give me uh, an, an insight into when we should do truck rolls to restock the Diet Coke machine in you know, a hotel lobby or whatever else. So over the years, I didn't necessarily foresee this, but what I could start to see was connectivity and specifically Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and cellular starting to connect assets and you know, give that first level of, of insights to, 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 uh, to consumers. So bring that forward to today, what is it about IoT that really kind of makes sparks fly in your mind around where this can go? Um, I think there's a couple of things. Personal interest from my perspective, I love technology. I'm a fail geek, right? So I did uh, applied physics in university, then went down the sales route. So I went You're to a the brave man, applied I to, physics. <laughs> I went to the dark side quickly and I found out that, um, you know, the, the world needed, you know, technology and sales in, in combined. So IoT is is inherently can be complex for a lot of people. And, you know, helping to break that down was interesting for me. I, I, I like the idea of understanding the complexity. So that's a personal thing. Um, I think as well, from a uh, customer perspective, it's, it's variety. So in the early days, it was very much around connecting almost anything you could, a lot of novelty applications and so on. Um, but I think now you, you've got a whole a myriad of, of, of applications from connected smart streetlights to uh, fire alarm panel, everything's now connected. And that basically means that you're always learning, right? Every customer you engage with wants to consume, in our case, cellular connectivity in a different way. 
They could need some flexibility in their supply chain. There's some standards that we need to uh, that we need to kind of be aware of when we're selling into a specific application area or segment. So I think for so for IoT, you know, what's exciting is that it can touch every application. It can give you know great data insights, and there's never a boring day, right? Everyone's got a, a new take on a on a on an application. Everything's evolving. It could be two G today, then something else tomorrow. So I think the technology um, advancements coupled with these completely different application uh, requirements makes makes it all really interesting and really relevant. We'll come back to, to, to subjects like intelligent learning and AI late, later on in, in, in the podcast. I want to understand how you stumbled upon OV as that, that continuation of, of, as of a failed geek, leaving an applied physics degree behind. How did you find OV as part of the Manx Telecom Group? So I think if you look at, I think 2017 was an interesting year for me because the market was starting to become... Um, there was more entrance to the market when it comes to software and connectivity and wireless. So you had now, from a Bluetooth perspective, you had Bluetooth Energy and Mesh becoming more relevant to M2M applications. Cellular was starting to talk about things like eSIM and low power cellular. And at that point, I was thinking the differentiation at a hardware level was coming less and less. There was, I think at the time, the company I was working for had six different vendors for Wi-Fi modules, eight different vendors for Bluetooth modules, and five different vendors for cellular modules. And it was apparent that, that these hardware manufacturers needed to do something different to differentiate uh, over and above the, the hardware and the radio elements of the, of the modules. And I figured out that I felt like the Bluetooth had, had, had ridden the, the, the curve, if you like, the, the innovation curve. It was mass adopted. But cellular wasn't quite there. Cellular was... You know, very much 4G and higher data, higher power applications. But the industry was talking about, you know, low power standards, which is interesting. Because that then starts to free up new applications and new, uh, new ideas. And then eSIM, the ability to then reprogram over the air profiles rather than switch out SIM cards. That was also, I think, really interesting. So at 2017, I made a conscious decision to start to think about how I could move into the world of, of cellular. I felt that was the next growth and I'd witnessed this kind of firsthand Bluetooth revolution and I figured out that actually cellular, I think will go on the same you know, evolution and, and, and revolution across, across the world. So from there, joined the world of MVNOs six years ago. So moved from a hardware, I'd say cellular background to a connectivity background. And you know, across those three MVNOs that I worked with, each had distinct routes to market had distinct um, uh, advantages over others. And the markets, you know, there's a lot of MVNOs out there, but each had something different. I learned something from each one. A few things I took away was that the, you know, the closer you are to the technology stack and the closer you are um, to respond quickly with commercial flexibility, agility, response times, customers you know, really appreciate those two things. So when I looked at OV, it was, it seemed to kind of answer a lot of those questions. It, it gave me a chance to go closer to the technology being as part of an MNO, but still had this kind of nice front end flexibility of, a, of an IoT MVNO. So combine those two things together, I thought was was different and and valuable to the customers. Okay, so we've gone from things that we used to connect with wires to things that we connected over a short distance with with Bluetooth. And you mentioned there, you know, MVNOs actually the ability to communicate wirelessly over any distance, um, you know, is what brought you to 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 Manx Telecom Group. 
what is it that, that OV is all about today? We know that Manx Telecom's had a, a history of, of over 15 years serving the, the traveler market with, with physical SIM. Um, you know, we have a number of, of, of roaming agreements. What is it that OV is about? And what is it that makes them different to other mobile network operators in this space? So I think, firstly, being part of Manx Telecom Group gives us a couple of advantages. It gives us access to the direct roaming agreements that have been in place with Manx. You mentioned the consumer side. Uh, we are obviously the IoT side, but we can leverage that as, a, as part of the group. That's great. I think being really close to the mobile infrastructure, network infrastructure, is, is, is underplayed, I think, a lot of times. You know, that kind of ability to you know, respond quickly, 24-hour, uh, seven-day service on support for customers, to get into the deep dive of why things maybe aren't working or to give the customer visibility of how to do things um, better on their side um, makes us really a, a strong proposition for the customer. And ultimately, you know, it's about the customer, all these products and technologies are great, but you know, what does that mean for the customer? Well, it means for the customer that they can they can guarantee they're gonna work with someone who's technology, technologically, can't say that, um, competent, but also uh, understands the commercial elements as well. And, you know, when I look at OV, I think there's a, a couple of, of of distinct reasons why I think we stand out and we've got our place in the market that's that's different. When I talk to customers, I talk about one hand on the core and one hand on the customer's shoulder. And what I mean by that is 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 that as we are part of the uh, the group, we're an MNO IoT MNO. That means we we're, we're close to the stack, right? We're close to the radio access network. We're close to the the you know the the, the core infrastructure. Um, we're and, and of course we are then close to the people who've kind of are in charge of, of managing it, right? So there's no hops between us and and getting problems resolved. There's no you know hops between us and the support. We are the support. And that's massively powerful for the customer to know that we are technologically competent. We've got a history of an MO heritage that we are leveraging and we have people here in, in this building in fact that, that help us um, um, support that all, all day every day. So that's really important. The support elements and the technology elements is you know one of the reasons why I think uh, OV is um, important to the customers. Second bit is, which is equally important, is we deal with OEMs, we deal with resellers, and we deal with MVNOs. And each of those partner requires a different uh, integration from us. So again, you know, back to our MNO roots, we have you know the, the raw minerals, the raw ingredients, the network, the APIs that the if you if you are, if you have your own stack and you have your own route to market and you have your own infrastructure, then you can consume via API all the raw minerals of what OV and and, and Manx Group offer. So that's massively powerful. That means we can then enhance and power some of the biggest partners in the world, increase increase their coverage and footprints, and you know almost be invisible behind some of the customers. Then some of the resellers, of course, as well, have these excellent you know front uh, front ends the you know, connectivity management platforms that you can you know, really start to engage with as a, as a consumer where you can you know, buy SIMs easily and so on and pay in different ways. So again, they might want to consume um, a different API integration. So we can you know, integrate profiles, we can donate profiles, all that, it helps to power you know, the resellers and, and, the, and the MVNOs. And of course, you know, across that as well, OEMs want the flexibility of being able to potentially take, or resellers, take a platform as a service. So you kind of go from this raw ingredients, raw minerals bit where, you know, don't worry, OV, we've kind of got it all covered. We just want to integrate and we want to kind of, um, you know, help us power our end solution. All the way to the other end of it where we have, we launched our eConnect eSIM proposition, 
which is, you know, can be platform as a service that can be white labeled. So you can come to us if you're trying to get to market with eSIM quickly. And we have the, the profiles, we have the platform, the uh, remote SIM provisioning M2M platform. We have the connectivity management platform. We have all the APIs that you can literally from day one, take it all from us, white label it as your own uh, product, and then onward sell that. So multi-tenanted solution to end customers. So the combination of having this kind of off the shelf platform as a service, one-stop shop in this hand, but also access to the raw minerals and APIs in this hand means that, you know, that's valuable. And they're the two things I think OV uh, can offer differently from a lot of people in the, in the industry. Just moving away from that tech technology stack, which allows us to, to flex, you know, to suit whatever, whatever client or partner's needs are. Just in sort of down-to-earth terms, how is IoT affecting the way we, we live and work today? Give us a couple of examples. So I think I mentioned earlier about when IoT first came out, there's some really, I'd say, gimmicky applications. And in fact, I, I had a little look last week and I just Googled kind of weird IoT applications. And I found a couple I want to share just real quick before I get to the, the good stuff. The ones you can't share? Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> no, I can definitely yeah. share these ones. I, I edited those ones out, so don't worry. First one was there was an application, it was Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, whereby you could put your eggs in this little egg holder in your fridge and you could set a timer and it would Bluetooth your phone to say the eggs are going out of date. Uh, and and there's, there's plenty of applications like are almost mainly in the consumer, you know, gimmicky world that, uh, that did that. And in the early days of M2M IoT, then some applications were like, if we can connect it, let's just connect it anyway rather than going from a, well, why are we connecting it? What data do we need? And what insights do we need? Ultimately, the applications I like best are the ones that help us solve a real world problem, normally around like environmental or healthcare and so on like that. And there was an application years ago that I came across. And the problem was that it was basically at home health monitoring. And it was blood glucose and diabetes based applications. And the solution was, you know, uh, people had to take regular um, tests of, of the diabe uh, diabetes and then they wanted to share that with the doctor and someone thought well we can do that <clears throat> remotely rather than having to kind of regularly come in or do blood tests and so on like that i'm thinking more for people who are a little bit older my mum for example who wouldn't want to go to doctors every week to be checked and so on so the application was a little kind of device which was cellular enabled and the idea was you could you tested your diabetes level it tested it and then um, measured the um, required uh, data points and transmitted that via cellular. And it did it on a low power network. And then the, diff the advantage there, of course, is a battery powered application. You plug it in, charge it, battery powered. So it has to last for a while. It can't run out in a day. It was saying like a month or two months of battery life. So all of a sudden it enables, you know, older people to stay at home, measure the blood glucose or diabetes levels, transmit that back via the cellular network to be remotely monitored and then only actions needed as, as needed. Or if they didn't do it, then it would send an alarm signal to say they've not tested the blood glucose. So I, I, I'm always interested in applications that solve anything to do with health or environmental. And actually there's lots in the marketplace now, which is, which is good. Yeah, you know, I mean, from blood sugar to, to things like irrigation systems, air quality monitoring, um, there's all sorts of things that uh, in the past we might've had to have been in situ, recording results, even plotting them on a bit of graph paper, you know, we're of, we're of that age. Um, and now, of course, it's all in real time and transmitted in real time. And we wanted to touch on things like AI and intelligent learning. So it's not just kind of record and send or, you know, receive and transmit. Actually, now, some of the most exciting stuff is, is where actually intelligent information can be derived from what we monitor and measure 
and actions can be created. I mean, that is getting into the world of, for some people, a scary world of, well, hang on a minute, something non-humans making a decision that might impact on, on, on humans. What about, what about that area? <clears throat> so I think there was a trend uh, over the years that kind of, you connect it and it would just stream data back and it would all be, you know, analyzed in the cloud and actions done there. But over the last few years, you've seen now this, this uh, trend towards machine learning and AI at the edge. This is the, 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 the catch-all, if you like. And why it's different now is that there's companies bringing out, you know, small pieces of software that sit on these cellular modules that sit at the edge that can do some really intelligent things. And not just the if then, then send this, we're talking about it doing a lot of the um, uh, analysis and decision making, you know, at the edge application rather than having to kind of check back in with um, you know, a, a cloud or a, or a human and so on. So you've kind of got, you'll see things like tiny ML, tiny machine learning and so on. These now are fitting onto you know, small cellular modules that are, you know, LP1 based, so low power battery powered applications. So that's really exciting because you've now got, you know, we, we've all heard about AI for years, right? And the robots are going to get us and, and all this, right? And, and, and chat. still waiting for robots in the home to do the cleaning. You know, it was promised years ago. But, seen, but we have got robotic, robotic hoovers now. And, and uh, lawnmowers exactly, have seen them as well, right? Exactly. So I think AI and chat GPT have all started to bring this to the fore, right? This conversation about AI and so on. But specifically with, you know, applications, I mean, back in the olden days of the vending machines, it was, you know, Diet Coke is empty. Please send person to fill it up. But now you've got a lot more uh, sophisticated and, and more complex decision making done at the edge where it isn't as simple as as something's wrong, send an alarm. It's now, if it's an alarm, then do this, then do this, then do this. So I think it's already starting to um, be present in, in IoT applications, the, the consideration of this machine learning and AI at the edge. And again, you know, the more that is converged into the hardware, so we talk about us as a cellular provider, but the more that is the hardware's integrated into this into the processor or the cellular module, and the more the AI and ML is integrated in as well, then you can start to see that becoming really powerful and low power and you know mass mass deployable. And that's the interesting thing. I was going to ask you, you know, is are there specific areas, specific you know verticals where you know IoT really has its place, um, or is it? you know, more horizontal, right across you know, any number of applications. Um, I think you've touched on it, but just to expand on that more. Is there any areas where, you know, IoT doesn't have a place? So I think IoT has a, has a place where it can, it can increase efficiencies. If you look at IoT, it's a horizontal play, right? It's, it's technology and it's product, whether it be, you know, the, um, the SIM card integrating with the module and so on. That's all technology play, which brings low power and brings, brings extra you know, reasons why the customer want to use it. But I think the, the, the trick now, or that what we have to do now, uh, certainly over the last couple of years, is start to then look at that in each particular market segment. What a CCTV manufacturer would need from an IoT provider would be different from an EV charging point, right? From a loan worker, you can imagine that, you know, for a you know, latency would be an issue for CCTV if they're streaming data and so on. You can imagine that loan workers would need data, SMS and voice, so if there's a, a problem, they can kind of be contacted on, on the voice element and controlling of that voice as well, not you know consumer consumer voice. So I think you know what we're starting to learn now. I think as as cellular providers and MDNOs and MNOs is that it's it's no longer okay just to kind of say we've got five G and we've got this and we've got that. That's the starting point. It's then almost what are you trying to solve 
Mr. Customer? What does your, your supply chain look like? Um, what does your roadmap look like, right? We've seen a lot of customers starting with Bluetooth, maybe moving to cellular for the first time. That's a big trend that we see. And if you've gone through the steep learning curve of, of Bluetooth and Bluetooth energy over a 10, 12 year period, and your company now says, right, Gav, you know, you're the engineer, you need to now move to cellular. That's a, that's a big step, right? To go from Bluetooth stack, the chipset, the antenna design, the software, they now move that into a, a cellular module because low power cellular is now here, right? And the networks are starting to become more available so that the, you know, the engineers and the, and the, and the, uh, have to now adapt to, well, now start looking at cellular modules, right? So you know, we need to be mindful of, of, of that. And also if you're a purchasing uh, person at a, at, a, at a customer, in the past you just bought a chip and it was 50 cents and you bought 10,000 and that was it. Now you're looking at services. So if you're not in tune with your supply chain as a, as a purchaser or a customer, and you know that if you ship a SIM from day one, it could be chargeable, and you don't realize that and you buy 10,000 SIMs and they start charging you from day one, but your supply chain is six months. So there's a whole you know, um, trend to move you know, between that. So as you're speaking about applications, some are moving from a Bluetooth or a Wi-Fi into cellular, and there's a, a, a knowledge gap there as well, both on the engineering side of the customer and the purchasing side of the customer as well. Um, plus different verticals have got standards that they need to adhere to. So we need to be aware of different standards that, you know, does that affect us? There's a, a standard in EV, the Open Charge Controller Protocol, OCCP. That has a particular impact on maybe the VPN that we would offer uh, for secure um, uh, over the uh, um, data. So there's a whole thing we have to consider around. We know the products. We've got to look at the customer and saying, where are they coming from? And what do they need? And make sure that we speak to both the purchasing side and what the implications are there, but also to the um, engineers at the customer and also the hardware guys. The, the, the guys making the cellular hardware modules stay close to those to understand how can we make it seamless because, you know, out of the box, not every SIM card will work with every module. It's always, always a quirk. It could be a firmware upgrade. It could be a multi-IMSI issue. It could be an eSIM all those things together, all you know, we need to be mindful of as a uh, when we're speaking to customers. So, if I just put you back on the spot with a crystal ball, then Paul, um, you know, we spoke about Bluetooth earlier, which which became a, a kind of a standard, I suppose, um, for us. Do you see further consolidation in in this space in years to come? You know, you mentioned OEMs earlier. Um, you know, will there will there be a simpler way to do this? There's lots of different ways to approach it within OV, you know, we can flex to, to accommodate those different environments that clients and partners operate in. Um, do you see it consolidating in, in years to come? Yeah, the analogy I always make is, you know, back in the day, back in my day, everyone's day, we had digital cameras and we had laptops and we had phones and they all did distinctly different things. And today you've got the cellular module, you've got the, the SIM card and the connectivity services in different places. Convergence is happening right now and Certainly with the, with the acceleration of eSIM, so EUICC, that ability to over the year switch profiles, that's you know, been in the consumer space for a while, even though it's not well adopted in the consumer space. What, what that means is that means you can move from a plastic SIM to a little chip SIM without having to be locked in. And that's the big concern. If you're manufacturing something and you're sending down a manufacturing process line a bunch of components that are all reflow soldered automatically on the on the printer circuit board. And you still got this plastic car sticking out the side. You know, it, it doesn't make sense from a manufacturing perspective. 
But in the customer's mind, they're saying, well, if I move from a plastic SIM to a, a chip SIM, then I'm going to be locked, right? You can't desolder SIMs as easy as you can take them out. And that's where this EUICC and remote SIM provisioning standard comes in. And the, you know, the, the advancements of that from the current standard to the new standard next year will make it far simpler to switch networks for the, for the IoT customer. But beyond that, of course, you look and think, well, why do we need a SIM card at all? You know, it's a secure element. It has, has some memory and has obviously some inbuilt security. And you can now see in the marketplace iSIM. So iSIM now, you can imagine inside a module, there's a radio, uh, radio chip. Inside the radio chip, there's a little secure enclave, if you want to call it that, which is, you know, a fraction of a millimeter. And in there will exist, you know, our profiles, you know. So that's already happening today. It's, you know, as it becomes more standardized, it will become more adopted. For all the cellular module guys, now are starting to look at that as an you know evolution of their um, of their modules, and with that comes by default the ability to switch profiles. You, you can't do it otherwise. So I think that's something that's you know, exciting and what's going to converge already is converging, but will be I think mass adopted by customers. And you, from a customer perspective, they just buy the component and they get the data plan with it or as part of it, and it's all kind of pre-integrated and pre-tested. So that's going to be you know super interesting. We're already seeing ML and AI. I mentioned earlier, right? That they're, you're seeing cellular module manufacturers partnering with companies that produce you know, software stacks for machine learning. It's already in the marketplace now, already happening as well. So you can see this two elements coming together. Other elements, of course, is security. And we haven't mentioned that, right, on this podcast so far, but massively important. And something that wasn't really standardized even in the consumer world till a few years ago. We're seeing now uh, a GSMA specification, IoT safe, starting to be adopted and starting to be um, used in, in the marketplace. It's about you know, defending your application. It's how you can securely handshake your device with the cloud. And that goes across a little bit of hardware elements, a little bit of software elements as well. So that's starting to get, gain a lot of pace as, as a standard. So you start to kind of get excited about a world that's got modules with integrated SIMs. Everything's reprogrammable over the, over the uh, over the air. Security is becoming standardized with IoT safe. And then you've got this low power um, LTM and narrowband uh, versions of 4G, which will then be adopted into the 5G specification. That means battery powered cellular um, applications can now exist. So with all those things together, convergence is already happening. It's not something that's, that's, that's you know, it needs to happen. It's, it's already there. You'll see in the marketplace, you can you know, get modules today and data services that We'll bring all that together. That's what's super exciting that that we, you know, us as a, as an MNO, um, IoT MNO, is we see all these things converging. We work with all these partners and we try to help them integrate into a seamless solution for the customer. So exciting time ahead, I think. Definitely, and uh, fascinating to hear you know, how OEV is at the edge of that. Uh, thank you for sharing your story up until this point. Exciting to hear about what's coming in the future. And thank you for watching this episode of Connected Insights. You can find more about OV at worldov.com and give them a follow on LinkedIn as well. And our next episode will be looking at the world of eSIM, which Paul mentioned a couple of times there. Um, so thanks again for watching and hope to see you again soon. Thanks.